Hey, what is going on? This has been a pretty crazy, crazy time. Probably for everybody. Life is stopping, it's starting, it's going. There's weirdness, there's craziness. And we're going to talk about a lot of it on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I would say today, but I'm re-recording this after finishing the rest of it because kind of did this in three segments. Started Wednesday night, continued Thursday morning, and then now, right now, it is Thursday night. Getting it done as quick as possible. Lots of things going on. Maneuvering, jabbing, ducking, throwing another jab, moving from an uppercut, swinging back, you know, like a Mike Tyson. Not quite 54 years old, but he could probably still beat me up. So I'm going to use him as a reference. Today is Thursday, December 3rd. Hopefully life is good for everybody. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 140. This is going to be a different kind of episode, showing a little bit of new youth creating life. However, on the back end, we're actually, it's going to be front end and we're going to kind of wrap around is the end and death and accomplishments and kind of what you spend the middle of that working for. And you'll kind of see how I try to engineer this to be like that because there is a lot of new stuff, a lot of youth, a lot of awesome things going on. And then there's death and COVID-19 and bad things in the world. And we got to remember both. We can't be overshadowed by the negative, can't be naive and not think it's there, but the same thing with new, create, love, can't pretend it's not there, but don't want to overshadow it and act like the reality, harshness, death, bad things aren't there either. Got to keep an even keel and be positive as much as possible, and that's what we're here to do at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. On this episode, I've said youth a couple times, Landon and Paxton Bauer. Landon is 14 and Paxton is 12 years old and they are bowlers from Mendota and they're excited and they want to get better and better and better even though that they're already good. Both of them can beat me. Their high scores make mine not even a number. (laughs) That's how good they are. Paxton, the 12 year old, is already thinking about being a professional bowler. That's how dedicated he is. That's how much he wants to be at the bowling lanes, at the bowling alley, and just keep plugging and plugging and plugging away. They're dedicated. They're going at it at 14 and 12, and they've been doing it for a long time. It's not like they just started yesterday. Landing a little longer than Paxton, but still, both of them are getting it done, and they got partners to bowl whenever they want to. That's awesome. Very cool for them. Both of them are on this podcast, and it was really, really cool to... Just that dedication, that love for a sport that, yeah, he's my brother, he's my competitor, you know, I love him, but when we're on that bowling lane, I want to beat him. It was really cool. Awesome, awesome interview, and we will get to them as soon as possible. Lots of things I want to talk about first, including, there was a kangaroo in Peru, Illinois. Peru, Illinois. Not Peru the country, which I don't even know if kangaroos are there, I didn't really look it up, but this is not Australia. A kangaroo was loose in Peru. Insane. I saw lots of photos. I saw journalists talking about it, photographers, professional photographers, people on their iPhones, on their Facebook and Twitter. It was really cool to see how this kangaroo was getting down, just flying around town. 
not really flying, but his bounces were like five man steps in one. Maybe six or ten. That's how crazy these hops were. Too bad he didn't have a basketball. Put him on the court. It was just a strange, weird, crazy situation. I don't think I've ever heard of a kangaroo being in Peru, Illinois. It's cool, though. I like it. And it kind of made you smile. Like, hey, look at that thing go. It was cool. It was cool. Hopefully, not hurt. It's caught by people to take care of it and put it back in its habitat, a zoo, wherever it's going. I know I say habitat and then zoo. Obviously, a zoo is not a habitat. But a kangaroo in Peru, Illinois, probably didn't come from a natural habitat. And this is what I'm talking about, the kind of all-around aspect of life. We got two really young bowlers who are dedicated, aspiring to be as good as they can, looking forward to life, looking forward to their future, already putting plans in place. Then you got a kangaroo, young, free, wilding out, doing whatever it wants to, living life. Unfortunately, in the last few days, a couple people we have to pay tribute to, have to say rest in peace, give our best wishes, our condolences to families, have to start out with Louis Rios. Passed away at 94 years old on Tuesday, a legend, just a local legend in the boxing game. He has been around boxing since he was, I want to say like 10 or 11. And just kept plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. Fought his own fights, became a trainer, owned gyms. And has been a positive influence to so many people in the Illinois Valley. Not just Peru, not just LaSalle, not just DPU, not just Mendota, Spring Valley. And I keep going and going and going and going. Boys, girls, aspiring boxers all over the area know who Louis Rios's was and appreciate every single second they got to spend with him. He was inducted into the News Tribune Hall of Fame in the first class in 2019 and I had the privilege, the honor of writing his story and went over to his house and we're like, yeah, it'll be like a half hour talk. We'll talk some boxing, get some details for the story because we wrote a kind of like a magazine. I would say like a tab, but it was more like a magazine of all the inductees to the first class of the Hall of Fame. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go over there. It'll be a half hour. It'll be a cool little talk. I know he's a knowledgeable guy. This will be cool. I was there for two and a half hours. I was shown pictures. I was shown awards. I was given real life stories. I was asked about me because he was a personal guy. Not just all about him, he was asking me questions about my upbringing, where I was from, was I ever interested in boxing. At this time, I'm already 34 years old, and he's like, oh, you can come to the gym anytime, I'll show you a thing or two. That was really cool. He was a great guy. That was the first time I met him in person, but I talked to him a few times, because he would give us results or information about local boxing to try to get it in the newspaper. Just a really, really awesome guy. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. And when I say dedicated, this man lived his whole life for the sport of boxing. His entire life. 94 years was of boxing. Obviously not the whole thing because you got to grow up and got to understand what boxing is. But decades upon decades upon decades of training, of coaching, boxing himself, being in love with the sport and doing what he wanted to do. 
He's an inspiration, a mentor to people, even outside of boxing. I look up to him as just an amazing guy who did what he wanted to do and did it his way. Rest in peace, Louis. The world definitely lost a great man with your passing. Another great man who made it to his 90s, Dave Swisegood, passed away Saturday at the age of 90. The legendary baseball coach won an IHSA record 950 games. 950 games. That is insane. He coached for 63 seasons, including 40 years at Southeastern High School in Augusta. Legend. I cannot say legendary in bigger letters, underlined, brightest pastel colors possible. Legend. Neon light. Legend. Billboards all over the place. Legend. Cannot say it enough. 950 wins. The amount of love I saw for him on Twitter was astounding. Coaches, players, admins, everywhere, saying their respects, paying their tributes to Coach Dave Swisegood. I never met him personally. I had heard his name, and he was always somebody that I would like to meet, just not in the right place, right time, and kind of the different ends of Illinois. But it is obvious his life, the way he went about it, the way he mentored, the way he coached, left marks on many, 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 many people over the years. 63 seasons. Rest in peace, Dave Swisegood. The third person have to pay tribute to is not a local legend, is not a baseball coach, a boxer. He's a WWE legend. Pat Patterson passed away at the age of 79. This man is not your Hulk Hogan, is not your Ric Flair, is not Sting, is not Undertaker, not Steve Austin. These names that is sunk in everybody's heads as WWE legends, Hall of Famers, and the guys that you want to talk about when it comes to wrestling. Then there's guys like Pat Patterson, that behind the scenes, that even on scene, but slowly, without you even paying attention, became a legend, an epic important part of something huge. WWE is a billion dollar business. Even if you don't watch wrestling, you don't care for it, you think it's fake, whatever it be, it is a huge business that gets millions of viewers, makes a lot of money, and makes people stars. Pat Patterson was a star himself, becoming the first intercontinental champion, a belt that is still in the WWE today and has never left. It didn't go in hiatus and then come back, no. It has been a championship belt forever. Pat Patterson was the very first. You ever hear this thing that comes around every single January? The Royal Rumble? One of the awesomest matches that there is? However many people you want to put in there, 20, 30, 40, throw them in a ring, see who wins. You got the countdown every two minutes or three minutes. 10, 9, 8. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You know, maybe not that quick, but you get the point. My nieces and nephews will just do the countdown just because it's fun for them. And then to see the different collections of talent and the storylines that can happen through the Royal Rumble, Pat Patterson created that. He made that happen. Without Patterson's vision, there is no Royal Rumble, at least not in the capacity that we know of it as. 
He did that. Legendary stuff. Socially, society-wise, he is the first openly gay wrestler. That is huge. Forever. Gay individuals, homosexuals, in sports, was like a red flag. The biggest red flag ever. You did not want to do that. You did not want anybody to know that that was your lifestyle. That is who you are as a person. Nobody. Nobody. There's probably thousands in professional sports leagues and maybe in the WWE, UFC, boxing that are homosexuals and nobody will ever know. Pat Patterson came out, told people what he was doing, was open about it, had discussions with people. There was interviews where he would start crying about how he was about it, but knew it was important. That's a trailblazer. Not trying to compare anybody to Jackie Robinson and the things that African Americans had to go through to get into sports. But it is kind of comparable with gays and lesbians trying to get into sports and having to hide it. You cannot hide your skin color. You can hide your sexuality, but it is tough. It is very, very hard, I'm guessing. This is part of who you are. And you can't show it to the world because you're afraid of something. Pat Patterson came out let people know, and still went about his business. That is a trailblazer. Jackie Robinson, a trailblazer, did what he had to do to get in the game, win World Series, make the Dodgers an historical team for putting a first black player in the MLB, and revolutionize the sports world. Trailblazers. Pat Patterson is, was a trailblazer for the WWE. And even when he couldn't wrestle anymore, when he's still on screen in the Attitude Era, the mid-90s, late-90s, early-2000s, him and Jerry Briscoe, comedy relief, willing to be looked at as a stooge, called a stooge. They weren't doing it because they wanted to be called stooges or because they wanted to be made fun of or joked around about. Jerry Briscoe and Pat Patterson were tough individuals who, in their 60s, probably even 70s, could still beat up a lot of people. Tough, tough dudes. It was for our entertainment, for us to laugh, for us to smile and jump up when they got revenge on Vince McMahon. That is TV. That is an individual like Pat Patterson putting his ego aside for entertainment, for us to laugh, for us to remember him on TV and remember him as a special individual who cared about the wrestling business and our entertainment. Pat Patterson, I personally want to thank you for lots of years of wrestling entertainment that I know you were behind and that you were part of. Rest in peace, Pat Patterson. Have also mentioned the word creating, new, a ton of times already early on in this podcast. Well, here's some new, new. New sponsor for Edge of Your Seat Podcast in Mendota Ford, which is part of the Shimmers family. Want to thank Mendota Ford for joining the Edge of Your Seat podcast family. And we are going to have a lot of fun creating, bonding, getting the word out about everything awesome that you do in the community and for anybody that needs a car. We all need to drive. We all need to go places. Mendota Ford and Shimmers help you do that in style and comfortability and everything that you need. That wasn't even the ad that I created. That was straight off the dome. Because I myself bought a car from them, and that is exactly how I felt. 
exactly how I felt. I enjoyed every single second of it. I was getting a new car. I was treated like a human being. I didn't feel like I was being swindled. Nobody was trying to, oh, this car is great and it was a lemon. I didn't get any of that. They acted like we were real human beings. We were friends. We talked back and forth. It was cool. Everything about the experience of buying a car at Mendota Ford. Well, you don't have to buy a car. You can buy an SUV, a truck. You know, they got a lot of options. I bought a car, 2017 Chevy Malibu. Love it. Love it. Love it. I don't think I can say that enough. It's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. But they didn't build the car. They sold it to me and still made it a crazy awesome experience. You know when you go into a place and you already feel that, oh man, what are they going to say to me? What are they going to try to con me into? What are they going to... None of that. None of that. Hey, what are you looking for? I told them. I want a sedan. I want something stylish. I like something like this. And bam. They showed me my new baby. You know, you got to do some searching, a little shopping. But I knew that's what I wanted. But I looked, talked to them, and already told them. And it was over. <laughs> it was game over. It was like, hey, awesome. You know what you want. We would love to put you in that car. Let's do it. And it was that easy. It was that easy. So for Mendota Ford's first ad, we're going to give them the NCAA men's basketball segment. The NCAA men's basketball segment is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. It's December, end of a treacherous 2020. However, Mendota Ford wants to usher in a better 2021 with an end of the year sale like never before. New management leads the team into the new year as Ski Hartman brings 10 years of experience with a pressure-free, no-hassle approach for your buying experience. Go visit my friends Ski, Jason, Tony, and Doug at Shimmer Ford located just south of Mendota on 251 or contact them at 815-539-9314 or visit MendotaFord.com. Super excited to have them part of the team. It's going to be a lot of fun getting the word out about what they do. I know I already said that, but I'm so pumped up. I'm pumped up about working with them. NCAA men's basketball in the building. Man, I can't tell you how much I love basketball. I love the NBA. I love college too. I can't tell you what I love more. I mean, I love the stars and the level of talent in the NBA all around the board. Every single team has got at least one star. And if you don't have a second star, you have a second. Could be all-star. Almost on every team. NCAA, however, has almost where every team is good. The Big Ten this year? Illinois, Iowa, Rutgers, Michigan State, Michigan. Probably missing a couple others. I haven't really checked out Purdue. Could be even more teams that are just as good or better. It's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome year for the Big Ten and NCAA basketball in general. On Tuesday, I was watching some Champions Classic. Number eight, Michigan State took on number six, Duke. This is always a huge matchup. Two of the best teams in our lifetimes. I don't know how old you are. I'm 35 years old. And pretty much my entire life, Duke and Michigan State have been amazing. At least in the last 20 years. For Duke, 30. 92, 93, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill. Yeah, we know the stories. Michigan State got the job done with a 75-69 win. 
But Duke came back. Duke was down like 15 points midway through the second half and brought it down to six, showing that they could play. Hit a couple threes. The defense was crushing Michigan State. Wouldn't even let Michigan State get the ball out of bounds. The Spartans head coach, Tom Izzo, had to waste two timeouts just to get the ball in. That's how crazy Duke was playing there at the end. Then they follow that up with number 20, Kentucky, versus number 7, Kansas. Kansas gets the win, 65-62, but had to hold on. Had to hold on. Kentucky is not a slouch. Both teams are real young. Kentucky, I think, lost their whole team except one player that actually saw minutes last year to the NBA draft. Kentucky is talented every single season with one and dones. Coach Calipari can get anybody that he wants to in Kentucky. Well, at least it feels that way. Obviously, he can't. Otherwise, he had every great player. But he gets fantastic talent year in, year out. 65-62. Hopefully, you watch that game. Kansas and Kentucky are going to be in the NCAA tournament. I don't see how they're not. I don't know if we're going to call this cool or sad about the game, but the jerseys for Kentucky and Kansas had electronic patches on them that would read how close you are to people and would light up if you were too close for too long to any player, referee, to any person. It's cool because that's awesome technology and we don't want to be around somebody too long and maybe pick up some COVID or a sickness that we don't want. True. Don't want that to happen. The bad part is, is this going to be our future now? If we are spending the money, time, technology on these electronic patches for jerseys in a basketball game, what's next? Are we all going to have patches that are going to light up, make noises, sirens that were around people for too long? Is that what's next? I don't want to be part of that. I'm already sick enough with the mask. Got shields on my desk at work. It's crazy. I do not want to live my whole life like that. And if they're making electronic technology breakthroughs like this, I'll call it a breakthrough. I never would have thought they would have think something of this. For a men's college basketball game, what is next? So it's cool because, hey, we want to be safe and we want to be distant. But it's bad because this could be a sign of the times and what's going to happen to all of us. Wednesday was the Jimmy V Classic. Rest in peace, Jimmy V. Amazing, amazing coach. Lost his battle with cancer. And every single year, the stories, the foundation, the Jimmy V Foundation. Dick Vitale was on a couple times talking about the Jimmy V Foundation and everything that he has given to cancer research and given back to the cause. Both legends. Unfortunately, Jimmy V no longer here with us. Dickie V, always awesome to listen to his broadcast and things that he has to say. Amazing icons for NCAA basketball. The Jimmy V Classic, two games on Wednesday. We had Gonzaga defeated West Virginia. Gonzaga, the number one team in the country right now. 87, West Virginia, number 11 in the country right now. 82, pretty cool game. Gonzaga's tough. They're tough. They're, man, I could see them in the Final Four. Maybe playing for that NCAA championship. They're loaded. They're talented, super talented, and can do everything. The game I was most interested in about, though, of course, number five, Illinois, took on number two, Baylor. The first half of the game between undefeated teams, Baylor was 2-0, Illinois was 3-0, was back and forth. 
neither squad would give an inch. They were playing. They were playing the game of basketball. Nobody was going to win. It was tons of fun to watch. Second half comes around. Illinois can't score. Junior guard Ayo Dasumu couldn't knock down some shots. He really didn't have open looks because the Baylor defense knew where to go. They knew who was getting the ball. They knew who their star guard was and who can put up points really easily. And even though he didn't get open shots and the defense was centered around him, Ayo still scored 18 points, had six rebounds, and five assists. However, nobody could do anything else. Baylor's defense collapsed all the time. You couldn't get inside. And they defeated Illinois 82-69. I am not mad at Illinois. They played a good game against a crazy awesome team. Baylor is going to go far in the NCAA tournament. Illinois is still a really amazing team. They are really good. The 82-69 score is kind of inflated with free throws at the end of the game. Illinois trying to stay in it by fouling. Baylor knocked down the free throws. So it really wasn't a 13-point game. In all honesty, it was probably like 8-10. to 10. They knocked down some free throws, got the win. But I'm not writing off Illinois against big teams, against good teams. I'm not. I'm not. They were in the game, just couldn't get some shots down. They're very, very young. Very, very young. It'll come around. They're great players. It's a good program. Now, thank God, they're turning stuff around. I'm ready to watch every single Illinois game that I can this year. I am pumped up about the Fighting Illini, and this should be a lot of fun. What was also crazy fun on Wednesday, Illinois State. <laughs> Illinois State beat Greenville 177 to 108. Whoa, 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 whoa. Illinois State now 2-1, shot 91% in the first half. Yeah, you heard me, 91%. Set a D1 record for shooting 86.4% in an entire game. Whew. 177 points being the fourth most in NCAA history for D1 basketball. And they set the record with 57 assists. 57 assists in one game. Most colleges don't get 57 assists in five games. They got it in one. But Greenville plays that fast Five in, five out. I think it's called the Grinnell system or the Grinnell strategy. And you got to knock down threes for that to be successful. They did knock some down, but they missed a lot too with the long rebounds. Illinois State pushed it out. Redbirds scored easy baskets. It was a layup fest. I did not watch the game in real time, but I did go back, saw some clips, and watched the first half. Insane. Insane how quick they were getting buckets. At the end of the first half, ISU had an 83-50 lead over Greenville. And then the Redbirds outscored Greenville 94-58 in the second half. Crazy, crazy, crazy basketball. The Redbirds had 10 players in double-digit scoring. There was only two players that did not have more than 10 points. Freshman Amon Washington led the way for Illinois State with 30 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. And he came off the bench. Didn't even start, 30 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Getting the job done is what we call that. For Greenville, junior guard Kenneth Coley actually led the game in scoring with 31 points. But that's it, that's all for Greenville. They got 108 points, leading score, but still got beat 177 to 108. I highly suggest going back 
and watching the clips. And if you can find the whole game, watch it. Watch it, watch it. Something else we want to watch, our physical fitness. Let's face it, it's not easy to get into shape or to stay that way. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, maybe motivation is low, don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body, injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Prue Mall, across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time. It's not one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. Support group? LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation? The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including bodyweight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided or pushed at a productive, comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You want to go at your own pace? Want to go hard? You're welcomed with a hello, how are you? Go get at it. Want a more relaxed approach? You'll receive the same welcoming, the same greeting. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. We finally saw the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens go at it. Steelers win 19-14 on Wednesday. Stay undefeated with 11 wins, obviously zero losses. But Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, not impressed. They were not impressed with their performance. Tomlin in a conference after the game. It's like, we sucked. We looked awful. Call this team junior varsity. Ben Roethlisberger says, hey, we didn't get it done, really. It's on me. We grinded it out and walked away with a win, but that was not pretty and not how we want to win games. And it really wasn't. Did not get to watch that in real time either. Started at 3.30 or 3.40 in the afternoon, and I was working. Got off work, and now I'm doing this. That's how you got to do it. It's time to podcast. So didn't really get to watch the game. I did follow it while I was at work. Shh, hopefully no co-workers or bosses are listening to this. But was kind of following scores and seeing what was going on. But I said they finally got to play the game. They got moved four times. Well, three times finally got to play it. Supposed to play on Thursday, Thanksgiving. Doesn't happen. Then go to Sunday. Doesn't happen. Then go to Tuesday. Doesn't happen. Finally play on Wednesday. For football pickums on Yahoo, they didn't even count it. They took it out of the confidence points for week 12, and it's not in week 13 because both the Steelers and Ravens have games. So it didn't even count. In regular fantasy football, it did. I got a couple players from both teams, and it did count. Thank you. I was kind of worried about playing any of those players because like, if it gets pushed from Wednesday, they weren't going to give you any points. So it was a very tough, strenuous time. 
my beard probably got a little grayer, a little whiter. I would say I lost hair on my head, but if you know me, I don't have hair there. That happened a long time ago. Probably being a Bears fan. That's what did that. So for week 12, with the Steelers picking up the win over the Ravens, which I had chosen, I went 11-5 in week 12. Week 13, have my picks ready to go. No Thursday game, but there is two Monday night games and a Tuesday game. Sunday, gotta start with the Bears. That's the team, man. That's the team. Detroit Lions at Chicago Bears. Lions 4-7, Bears 5-6. I really don't have a lot of confidence in this, but I will never pick the Detroit Lions over the Chicago Bears. Sorry, never will. Never. Never. Chicago Bears in that one. 9-2, New Orleans Saints at 4-7, Atlanta Falcons. I know the Falcons are better than 4-7. Saints are playing with their backup quarterback, Taysom Hill, but he has been playing really well. He can run, he can throw. They still have an okay defense and polished, very skilled athletes all around Hill. So I'm going Saints, even though it could be a closer game than most people think. 8-3 Browns against 8-3 Tennessee Titans. I'm not ready to put the Browns over the Titans. I'm just not ready to do it. Derrick Henry, monster. Ryan Tannehill, definitely a formidable quarterback. And the defense has looked good. It also has looked shady at times, too. But I'm going Titans. Cincinnati Bengals, 2-8-1 at the Miami Dolphins, 7-4. I secretly love the Dolphins. Their defense is cool. Doesn't matter if they have Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I like the difference of the two. And they both want to win and both can play the quarterback position. I'm going Miami. Jaguars, 1-10. I do think they're better than what their record says. They've been in a lot of games, lost a lot of close ones, so I don't ever write them out. But I don't think they're getting this one either against the 5-6 Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are not crazy impressive, but I think they can hold out over the Jaguars. 6-5 Raiders at the winless 0-11 New York Jets. I have been high on the Raiders. I thought they were going to be not a powerhouse, but a better than 6-5 team going into week 13. I really did. Problem is, is inconsistency. David Carr, inconsistent. Defense, inconsistent. Play calling, inconsistent. Just don't have that it factor yet. Got talent, could win games, just haven't figured it out yet. But the Jets are winless, and they don't really have talent. And they look awful every time that I see a clip. Going Raiders. This one is tough. Indianapolis Colts, 7-4 against 4-7 Texans. Yes, the records are reversed, but I'm going Houston. Deshaun Watson is playing awesome football. The defense looks tough. Colts, inconsistent as well. Look awesome, then not awesome. Look good, then not good. I'm going to go with Texans. They have momentum. They got things going for them. I'm going with the Texans. Rams 7-4 at the 6-5 Cardinals. This is a tough one. Both can win games by the spectacular play. Both can win with defense. Both have good quarterbacks. Both have wide receivers. Both struggle at times. Both have lost games that I thought they were going to blow away and win. I'm going to go Rams, though. I'm not ready to give the Cardinals that win over the Rams. I thought the Cardinals were going to beat the Seahawks. That didn't work out, but the Rams beat the Seahawks. So process of elimination, I'm going Rams. 4-7 Giants at 8-3 Seahawks. I don't even think this is going to be a game. Seahawks all day, baby. 3-7-1 Eagles 
at Green Bay Packers, 8-3. Packers better run away with this one. The Eagles are trash. Aaron Rodgers is putting up some of the best numbers of his career. He looks like he just been in the league a couple years and he knows what he's doing, even though he's already a Hall of Famer and has been in the league forever. He's playing awesome. Packers are going to win this. Five and six Patriots at the three and eight Chargers. I really want to pick Chargers. I really should pick the Chargers. Patriots are just as inconsistent and can be just as trash as any of the other teams that I've said that for. But I'm going to go Patriots because I'm not ready to say the Chargers are going to beat them. Four and seven Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs, 10 and one. Chiefs, not even a question. Not even a question. Monday night's games, Washington 4-7 at the Steelers, 11-0, still undefeated. They could play junior varsity football. They could play elementary school football, junior tackle-wise. I think they'll still beat Washington. Also Monday, we had the Buffalo Bills 8-3 at the San Francisco Niners 5-6. I do think San Fran is better than 5-6, but I know they've been hit hard with COVID-19, hard with injuries. And with not having that gel time, that cohesion time, and not really running through things throughout the year because you really haven't been playing together, I cannot pick them to beat the Buffalo Bills, who are a pretty steady football team. Going Buffalo. And then on Tuesday, it is the Dallas Cowboys and Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to go Ravens. I know they have not looked good lately. They lost to the Patriots in what I thought was a crazy game. Then lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that was closer than I thought it would be. I don't see them losing to the Cowboys. I just don't see it. Let's get another word with the sponsor. Summer came and went. Fall is over. It's winter now. It's December 3rd. Prediction of snow. We've already seen a little bit of snow. Frost on car windows. The windshields. On the grass. It's here. It's here. However, that doesn't mean there isn't time for end-of-the-year home improvements. Inside, garages, all kinds of options, things that we can do. Olson Construction works hard to help its customers until it's no longer possible. Until then, brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. With COVID-19 making it hard to celebrate the holidays, this may be a good time to make your home as comfortable and cozy as possible. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Let's do a quick rundown of things I want to talk about. First, the Alabama High School 7A State Championship. If you did not hear about this game, Thornton was trailing by nine. With 30 seconds left in the game, Auburn was up 28-19. First, Thornton blocks a punt from Auburn, who was just trying to waste time, holding the ball. Thornton blocks the punt, brings it back for a touchdown. Kick the onside kick and get it. Then, they finish the game off 
with their 10-point rally in 30 seconds with a field goal to win the 7A state championship 29-28. Oh, that is insane. Insane. I couldn't even imagine just being at that game. Man, eruption, eruption from the crowd. Whether you were on the winning side or losing side, that is insane energy right there. I haven't even done anything cool like that in like Madden or a college football game. Never. Not like that. Whew. All right, I better move on before I make some more sound effects. The Chicago Cubs making some noise with their roster. Chris Bryant, he's coming back. Not letting him go. However, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora Jr., both non-tendered. They're gone. Almora Jr., you can say what you want to about his batting. Awesome defender. Loved watching him at center field. Hot fences, dive. He's good. He's really, really good. However, he cannot hit the ball. And you cannot have a lot of people that are just great defenders and cannot hit the ball, a.k.a. Jason Hayward. Schwarber, though, this season, this shortened COVID-19 season, 59 games, 30 runs, 36 hits, 6 doubles, 11 home runs, 24 RBI, and a 188 batting average. I don't know how to evaluate those numbers because of the shortened season. They're not awful. The batting average, yeah, okay. But he also got 30 runs, 36 hits, 11 home runs, brought in 24 runs. Not bad in 59 games, I don't think. 2019, the year before, was his best ever. Best numbers across the board for him. 155 games out of a 182-game season, 82 runs, 132 hits, 29 doubles, 3 triples, 38 home runs, 92 RBI, and batted 250. Of course, you want to see that batting average go up, but solid numbers and his career best. And if you're a Chicago fan, you love Kyle Schwarber because he plays with heart, plays with dedication, and he is a great hitter. Not great in the sense of a Barry Bonds or Tony Gwynn or, you know, those guys. Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas. But for a middle-of-the-order guy, 5'6", awesome. Great hitter and somebody you want on the squad. But I guess not in Chicago. I would be highly surprised if a team like a Yankees or a Dodgers or a Cardinals or somebody like that picks him up. And what I think is, I don't know if it's the craziest, but I want to say the most outlandish trade of the offseason so far, the free agency period, trade period for the NBA. Russell Westbrook is going to Washington to play for the Wizards. The Wizards are sending John Wall in a 2023 protected first-round pick. I don't think there's a loser here if John Wall is healthy. Problem is, in the last two years, he's played 31 games. That's not healthy. Not healthy at all. I know him as a injury-prone point guard. And he plays with explosiveness. His athleticism is his game. He's not a great three-point shooter. He's not a great technician. He's none of that. He's a fast, athletic, dynamic player. He's coming off an Achilles injury. You tear your Achilles, that is gone. When that happens to you, your game, as you know it, changes. It adapts. I don't know if John Wall can change and adapt like that. I think this may be a better trade for Washington now that I think about it. Russell Westbrook is not 
a crazy fantastic player. Makes a lot of errors. Tons of turnovers. He's an all-about-me, ball-first type of player. And his athleticism and his scoring and what he's able to do is kind of dipped a little bit. But you also have Bradley Beal. And that's why I think this is going to work out. Because I could see Westbrook and Bradley Beal being an amazing 1-2 power matchup against any backcourt in the NBA. Any. Any backcourt in the NBA. I am crazy excited to watch that happen. And if John Wall can stay healthy and James Harden stays with the Rockets, which we don't know what's going to happen yet. You requested a trade, just like Westbrook did. Westbrook gone. Let's see what happens to Harden. But on face value, this is kind of a crazy trade. It's just like they were switching risky point guards who are great athletes, but who may be ending the end of their career. Or, you know, the twilight of it, not saying it's going to end this year or next year, but the last few years at least, especially because of injuries. We'll see what happens, but I will be watching closely to see what happens with Wall and Westbrook. This is going to be fun. And to see what that pick attriculates into. Could be an awesome player that they traded a couple huge salaries. They're huge contracts. Both of them have three-year deals roughly around $132 million. So you swap those out, then you add a pick. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I keep saying that, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. LeBron James, contract extension, two years, $85 million. He deserves it. He's a GOAT. A GOAT. I'm not saying the GOAT. The GOAT is Michael Jordan in my eyes. LeBron James, fantastic player. In my mind, second or third best all time. Deserves this money. Brings a ring everywhere he goes. Brings the players that organizations want on their squad. Good players, hardworking players, eh, some not characteristic, perfect players, Rajon Rondo. Good players, got a mental attitude. You know, Dwight Howard, say what you want to about him. Jamal McGee, say what you want to about him, but they all can play the game. LeBron can bring in anybody that wants to win. There is nobody in the NBA on any roster that's going to be like, nah, I don't want to play with LeBron James. I don't want to do that. Not a statement you will ever hear. Ever. Now, are people going to go out of the way like a Damian Lillard? You said, no, I'm staying in Portland. That doesn't mean if LeBron came to Portland, you wouldn't want to play with him. He just wants to stay in Portland. But I'm just saying, everybody would play with LeBron James. Good contract. He deserves it. Joaquin Noah, legendary Bulls player. Not like super epic legendary, but my era, my time, it was lots of fun watching him play. He was recently waived by the Clippers, probably going to retire. 13 years in the league. Was Defensive Player of the Year for the 2013-14 season when he was with the Bulls. He was a two-time All-Star in 13 and 14. And he was an NBA All-Team first-team player for that same 13-14 season, where he averaged 12.6 points, 11.3 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 1.5 blocks, 1.2 steals, and about two to three awesome audio comments every time he was on a mic. Fun watching him. Fun being in that Bulls environment when Joakim Noel was there. Definitely would be missed around the league, but I've already missed him since he left the Bulls. No doubt about that. The schedule for the NBA has been released. Going to start the season December 22nd with the Golden State Warriors against the Brooklyn Nets. That's going to be cool. Really cool. 
We got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, maybe James Harden on the Nets. Got Steph Curry, the Warriors. Unfortunately, no Klay Thompson. A new Warriors team, but at least Steph Curry will be back to play with Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and a bunch of young players. Marquise Chris is a good player. Kelly Oubre is a good player. Actually, I think he's underrated, to be completely honest with you. Got the rookie, James Wiseman, with the second pick. I don't think they're going to be amazing, dynamic, but you bring a Steph Curry on any team, and it picks up the play, obviously. Also on the 22nd, Clippers-Lakers battle every time. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Four amazing players. The 23rd, we'll see the Milwaukee Bucks in the Boston Celtics. Bucks making some cool moves. Drew Holiday on the squad. I'm excited to see what those Milwaukee Bucks look like. Then, Dallas Mavericks against the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul and his new gigs on his new team. Luka Doncic is going to be an MVP real soon. I'm already pumped about the 22nd. Don't want to fast forward the calendar because time already flies by fast enough. But in 19 days, NBA basketball will be here. But it is time for us to leave at least the intro. We got two awesome young bowlers to get to in 14-year-old Landon Bauer and 12-year-old Paxton Bauer. Awesome conversation. They were really cool. They're excited. They're excited to bowl. They're excited to see what their love for the sport. It's not a game to them. It's not a game. It is a sport. They are ready to see what they can do and go as far as they can. Check out Edge of Your Seat Podcast on social media. Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook and Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter. Hit us up. Any queries, any questions, any suggestions. You want to be a guest. You know somebody that could be a good guest. Want to advertise with Edge of Your Seat Podcast? Send us an email. Edge of Your Seat Podcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to us. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and the rss.com backslash podcast backslash edge of your seat podcast website. Check us out. Any of those venues. Interact with us. We love it. Big shout out. To our advertisers, Mendota Ford, our new one, ready, excited to work with them, Olsen Construction, and LP CrossFit. All three great businesses. Need to buy a car, need some work done on your house, trying to get in shape. All three top-notch places to do what you need to do. Until next time, peace. We are... End of November, beginning of December, this is usually bowling time. Everybody at the bowling lanes having a good time. Well, we all know about this pandemic, COVID-19, so it's been a little weird. High school bowling's not happening, but there's still bowling going on. You cannot stop bowling from happening. Got two awesome guests today that love bowling. I mean, it's been their life, and it's probably going to stay that way. I am, of course, talking about Landon and Paxton Bauer. How's it going, boys? Good. Good. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. You ready to talk some bowling? Yep. Yes. Awesome. First, let's do some voice recognition so everybody knows who is speaking when they're speaking. Landon, how's it going? Say hi for me. Hi. Going pretty well. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Paxton, say hello for me. Hello. So you guys are 14 
and 12 and pretty much bowl every day of your life when you can. Am I right? Yeah. Landon, is there anything that you like more than bowling? Nah, not much. I pretty much just focus on bowling and uh, school. Paxton, are you the same way? Do you wake up thinking about bowling? I mean, I kind of want to make a career off of bowling, so yeah. That's how you want to make money? You want to just be a professional bowler? Yeah. Okay, okay. What about you, Landon? You want to do the same? Um, I might have it as like a hobby for when I'm older, but more than likely I'll probably find a better paying job. Okay, okay. At 14 and 12, I love that you guys are already thinking this way. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, of course. You guys just got done with a tournament or something, was it the week last weekend? Yes. So Landon, where were you guys at? We were at a WYBT tournament. In what town or city? It was in uh, Menominee Falls. Where's that at? What state is that? Is that Wisconsin? Yes, in the state of Wisconsin. Gotcha. Was it cool traveling to Wisconsin to bowl? Yeah, I mean, we always travel to Wisconsin to bowl. It's kind of where we go on the weekends when we don't have much to do. Now, is that just because of COVID-19, or would you already go to Wisconsin if it was just normal time? We would already go to Wisconsin if, it was, if the pandemic wasn't a thing. Paxton, do you like the trips to Wisconsin? Yes. Does Wisconsin make you a better bowler? Um... Yeah, because, so what they do with, with WYBT, they, they're college coaches, so they put out college patterns to, like, make you try to, like, figure out the pattern by yourself, and it's just more difficult, and you try to make you work harder. So you're 12 years old bowling on college patterns? Yeah. Can you do it blindfolded? Probably not. <laughs> So how did you guys do at this tournament in Wisconsin this past weekend? How'd you guys do? Landon was four pins away from the cut, and I got second place. And Landon got fourth. Awesome. So you guys are really good. You're competing well against good competition. Yeah. How did it feel for you to get second place? Um, it felt good. And um, I won at WYBT already. Oh, you did? When did you win? About maybe... Two months ago in September. Was that also in Wisconsin? Yes, it was in um, Wauwatosa. I mean, no, Brooklyn. Okay, so you were already a champ. Was it, I don't know, like sad or were you uh, kind of mad that you didn't win and you got second instead of winning? Yeah, a little bit. But then you decide like, hey, second place is good too? Yeah, one, I got second place two times. One of the times I lost by three times and I got really mad at that. Because the spare would have made me win. It's because you're a competitor. Yeah. What is your best score ever? A 266. That's pretty good, man. I don't think I've ever gotten a 266. And Landon's is a 279. One strike away from a 300. That's pretty awesome, Landon. Thank you. How did you feel about the tournament this past weekend? Finishing fourth and, you know, bowling pretty well. I felt pretty good about it. I thought I did really good. It just all came, it just all came down to the last game because I was running in third place, and then the kid that was behind me in fourth place, he ended up bowling a better game than me, and so he took the lead, and I went to fourth place solely down by, I think, a spare or two. 
Now, are you a sore loser? Or you're like, hey, I just need to do this better? Or how did you react when that happened? I was kind of ticked off. I kept telling myself I blew it, but then eventually I cooled down a little bit. And I just said, hey, you know what, there's always another tournament. Now, after going through that experience, what may you do different next time that happens? I'm going to definitely have to work on my mental game and help myself pick up more spares. What kind of gear are you guys using? Are you guys already sponsored? No, not quite yet. <laughs> well, we're sponsored by Dad, but... <laughs> and Dad is the best sponsor. Yeah, Dad Dad himself is the sponsor. And when we say Dad, we are talking about Matt Bauer. Yes. Has your dad helped you guys pick up the game and learn how to bowl better? Yeah, all the time. What are some things that he helps you with? He kind of tries to chill us down and maybe keep us calm. Sometimes he kind of works us up and tries to tell us to do something, helps us adjust. Landon, did your dad or parents like kind of like force you into bowling or they're like, hey, let's check out this game and see if you guys liked it and then you guys fell in love with it? It was, it was more that um, he, like, he tried to maybe try to do it because before bowling we were playing a lot of Little League Baseball and then, uh, then we just decided to try bowling a little bit and we both fell in love with it. And we started buying equipment and eventually giving up baseball and going full on bowling. Was that difficult to do, give up baseball and go to bowling? The first year that we both bowled, it was very hard. But then afterwards, we eventually just got used to bowling a lot more than playing baseball. Now, Paxton, you want to be a professional bowler. Is there any other sports that you want to do as you get older? Or is bowling it for you? Bowling, because really bowling is kind of, it's just a good sport because when you're young, you can go to tournaments and, uh, and get scholarship money for college. You are really impressing me. First, you already know what you want as a career. You're already talking about college and being able to afford that with playing bowling now and you're 12 years old. I'm really impressed. You got this all figured out. Thank you. And about two weeks ago... Me and my brother had to go up against each other, and my dad said it was probably one of the hardest things he had to go through. <laughs> I bet. What about for you, Paxton? Were you ready to take on your brother? Um, not really. I was kind of nervous because I feel like he was going to kick my butt. Landon, did you kick his butt? No, in the end, he ended up beating me, but it's just because, you know, I was really nervous. So I didn't know how he was going to react if he beat me or if I beat him. He was doing really good. He was he never let himself get to his head. He had like six strikes in a row, and then I was just like leaving splits. He just capitalized on me in the second game and ended up beating me. Were you mad? Yes, I was very ticked off. Was it hard to look at your brother for a little bit? Yes, but when he went on to the championship game, I decided to watch him, and then he lost, and then in my head I kind of assumed it was just karma from God. <laughs> I mean, it could have. It could have been. But were you happy that he beat you as well? Or not happy, but you're like, hey, maybe that day the better bowler won. Yeah, and it definitely helped both of us for the future just to know that uh, either of us could beat each other. We're both really good at the same thing. How does that make you feel as a brother? I mean, you're the older brother, two years, but having you know a friend, a family member that you share something that you love with, that's got to be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, it's a really great feeling. 
Paxton, do you and Landon spend a lot of time talking bowling? Yeah. Do you think you and Landon are closer because of bowling, that you guys are getting to interact a lot more than, you know, maybe other brothers don't get to that are not involved in the same things? We kind of have a social life and a bowling life, so we love each other, and then in bowling we're kind of competitive to each other and stuff, but we also help one another. Okay, okay. I like it. So you guys are like competitive. I love you, but at the same time, if I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you. Just to let you know that. Yeah, and then like sometimes if I'm having a hard time, Landon will like help me and tell me where to move and stuff because he knows more than me. Landon, do you think you know more than Paxton? I would say I know a little bit more than Paxton, mostly because I started bowling more than him, and I just want to say this to be honest. Paxton wasn't the greatest listener when he started bowling, but now he's getting a lot better, and he listens to my dad like a lot during tournaments, and he's getting a lot better at it, and that's why he's starting to win. Because he's listening and paying attention? Yes, and then now we're to the point where he makes adjustments on his own, so he pretty much can do everything on his own when he's struggling. And then you're just there, kind of like support, help your brother out. Yeah. Perfect. That's awesome, guys. When did you guys first start bowling? I first started bowling when I was seven. I had a little plastic ball that I would throw on bumper lanes. I wouldn't even use the thumb hole, too. I got girls a thumb hole, and I'd throw it two-handed because I was scared it was going to fall off and like break my hand. <laughs> the plastic ball? Yeah, it was only like six pounds. Now I'm throwing 14 pound balls. So that little six pound ball is nothing now. Nope. What about you, Paxton? When did you first start bowling? Um, I think I started bowling when I was about six. I mean eight. So in four years, it seems like you picked it up pretty well. Yeah. And how heavy of a ball are you throwing? I'm throwing 13. You're throwing a 13 pound ball? Yeah, and I probably used to throw like maybe a six or a five. Wow. Do you have big muscles? <laughs> no, my arms are twigs. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how to bowl, so it doesn't matter how big your arms are. Yeah, it's kind of in your wrist and your hand. Gotcha, gotcha. What hand do you use? Are you a righty or a lefty? I'm a righty. What about you, Landon? I'm ambidextrous, but I use my right hand for bowling. Have you ever tried to use your left? Yes, I'm awful at it. <laughs> so you're like, hey, I'm sticking with the right. Yeah. We were talking about your tournaments in Wisconsin. When life is normal, where do you guys usually bowl at around here? We usually uh, bowl ISST tournaments in, uh, just around Illinois. And then our leagues and our main house bowling alleys are the Elks Lodge in Mendota. And then the Illinois Valley Super Bowl down in Peru. Both great places to go bowling, that's for sure. Yes, and then also we, uh, our coach, the home bowling alley is Strike and Spare in Juliet, Illinois. And you have a coach, you said? Is it a personal coach? Uh, yes, the coach. His name is Kevin Coleman. He helps us a lot. We go down there at least once a month, and he'll give us lessons, and he'll make us better every month. What are some things that you've learned from him? He's helped me over time with my release and how I rotate the ball. And it's the same thing with Paxton. Because a while ago, Paxton used to bring, he had a big backswing and he'd bring it all the way up above his head. 
and now he's getting better to the point where it's at shoulder, it's at like the same height of the shoulder. So he's helping Paxton stop to bring it up and force the ball, and he's helping me with my wrist motion. And those are both things that me and Paxton have overcome going to see him. Awesome. So it's working out for you. You're learning a lot from Mr. Coleman. Yep. Perfect. Good stuff. Good stuff. Paxton, what is it about bowling that you enjoy? Why do you love it so much? It's just, I don't know why I love it so much. It's just, I love doing the sport. Sometimes people say it's not a sport at my school and they make fun of me, but I say at least I'm making money. (laughs) Well, Well put, well said. I'm glad you tell them that. At least you got something going on, right? Yeah. Landon, kind of the same question. What keeps you coming back to the bowling alley? Why do you love bowling so much? The reason I love bowling so much is because, well, I want to make a shout-out to uh, Paul Hampton. He originally was my coach at the Mendota Elks Lodge, and he was the one that pretty much got me into bowling and helped me get better to the point where I could see a professional coach. So he did the the beginning work? Yes, he he used to uh, run the youth league. Sometimes we'd go up there and practice after, because then he would help me and my brother bowl, and he'd help us get better and, like, line up and know where we're, like, what board we're lining up on, where to throw it at to get a strike or help us get spares easily. And he's probably the main reason why we are doing, why we're doing so well right now. Awesome. Yeah, because he got on us right away if we were slouching. He would, he'd get on us and he'd get us working. Paxton had mentioned he had won, you know, one of the tournaments that you guys had just did this past weekend. He'd won one before. Have you won any? Uh, I have not won a WYBT yet. Was fourth your best finish, or have you done better than that? I've gotten third before. So the next time you go to one of these, pushing for first? Yes, the next one is in December, too, and I think I'm definitely going to be determined that this one I'm going to win. What are you going to try to do... You know, leading up to that tournament to, you know, polish up, try to get into that winning mentality. Yeah, I just got to depend on when the center is open back up. Like I said a while ago, I probably just have to work on my mental game and keep myself calmed down. I got to not get upset so I can easily pick up spares to help me bowl a better game. You just kind of mentioned with, you know, the centers being closed and things like that. This COVID-19 pandemic has kind of put a... Oh, stress on all of us not being able to live life how we're used to it. How has it influenced you bowling and going to school? When coronavirus first started, uh, it happened pretty much beginning of winter and it spread on till summer and it ended up uh, canceling our national trip to Las Vegas that me and Paxton both qualified for. Was it the first time you guys had qualified? No, uh, I've qualified every year since 2017. This would have been his first year qualifying and going to national Las Vegas. But, I mean, me and Paxton have already both qualified for national this year in Indianapolis. So you guys are ready to go? Yeah, but we just got to hope and pray that that won't get shut down either. Yeah, everything being canceled, it's kind of hard. Definitely. Paxton, if... COVID-19 was a person. Would you try to beat him up? I'd kill it. (laughs) Would you throw a bowling ball at it? Probably. Not one of mine, though. 
Oh, somebody else's ball. No, probably just a house ball. Oh, there you go. Nobody needs those, right? No. At Edge of Your Seat Podcast, always playing a game, every show with our guests. Since we got two fantastic guests, let's do a fantastic game. Just past Thanksgiving, it was yesterday. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed the holiday. I know I enjoyed some good food. So, of course, we got to talk about food the day after Thanksgiving. So, let's play a game of rank them. I'm going to give you four food items that are always on the Thanksgiving table, and you guys rank them. Number one being your favorite, four being your least favorite, and then the ones in the middle, two and three. Okay, I'll give you four items. Are you guys ready? Yep. All right, Paxton, you go first. The four food items are turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and green bean casserole. Okay, so first I would probably rate stuffing. Second would be my dad's turkey. Not anybody else's turkey, your dad's turkey. Yeah, deep fried turkey. Oh, that sounds good. Is there any leftovers? Can I get a piece? Yeah, sure. Come over to our house. We got tons of food. <laughs> All right. I'll be over in a little bit. <laughs> Third, probably mashed potatoes. And fourth, green bean casserole. Do you like green bean casserole or no? I like it. just I don't eat it that much. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, good rankings. I liked it. I am a huge fan of stuffing myself, so I probably would have done the same with the number one pick. What about you, Landon? Let's get your rankings. Turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and green bean casserole. All right, so first I would probably rank turkey. Your dad's turkey? Yeah. Definitely my dad's turkey, yeah. Stuff's really good. And then second, I'd rank my mom's mashed potatoes. She makes some really, really good mashed potatoes. Then third, I would rank stuffing. And then fourth, I'd rank green bean casserole. Do you like it or no? Nah, I could care less what it, uh, I could care less if it was on the dinner table or not. <laughs> I'm the same way. I do not like that stuff at all. And because we haven't mentioned her yet, let's give your mom a shout out for the awesome mashed potatoes. What's your mom's name? My mom's name is Jamie Bauer. Perfect. Well, Landon Paxton, thank you for joining us. It has been awesome talking to you guys about some bowling. We played some rankum with Thanksgiving food. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving, and thank you very, very much for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I have one more thing to say. Okay. Can we give a shout-out to Mandy Bauer, because she's always been for us in tournaments, and she always comes to them even though she doesn't have to. And that was Mandy Bauer? Yeah. Awesome. Shout-out taken care of. She's on here. Have a nice day. Thank you. You guys, too. Thank you again for being on the podcast.